Hey everyone, it's Sonali Figueres, the founder and editor-in-chief of Green Queen. Um, welcome to the first edition of Green Queen All Protein Weekly Live. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, a very nice reader wrote back to me after I sent one of the, the newsletters and said, would you consider doing an audio version of this newsletter? And I thought that was a great idea. It's definitely been playing around my mind. At the same time, I was chatting with investor extraordinaire Steve Molino of Clear Current Capital about how much we love to chit chat about all the news in the space. And I basically said to him, do you want to join me to kind of do a quick take on the newsletter every week? And so we're trying it out, 10 to 12 minutes of Steve and I sharing our you know highlights, key thoughts, um, takeaways. So yeah, here goes. Hey, Steve. Hey, how's it going? I'm excited to be here. So excited to do this. So let's dive right in. Um, so every week we open with a big story. And this week's big story is, is the news that Wicked Kitchen, the plant-based food brand, has acquired alt seafood company, Current Foods. What's your take? Yeah. So this is, I was honestly not expecting this, to be honest. So they're... Uh, we we know from the past so that Wicked, really world renowned plant based brand, um, led by by a great team, both on the business side, the chef side. Um, they they a while back they acquired the the North American um, Good Catch brand. So Good Catch, another alternative seafood brand, they acquired them and. It seemed to make sense that Wicked didn't have a big seafood focus. Good Catch had a, had a big portfolio of different products in the seafood space and seemed like a good match. Um, I didn't anticipate that not too long after Wicked would be acquiring another alternative seafood brand with Current this time. Um, and and I think like the big takeaway here, there's a lot we could dive into, but I think the big takeaway here is exactly what uh, what their CEO, the CEO of Wicked said, which is basically this is a necessary move for the space because there needs to be consolidation. Right now, there's so many brands and everyone's fighting for the same shelf space. And it, it, it's just, it doesn't make sense to have 100, 200 brands all going after a similar market. Um, there needs to be consolidation, a focused strategy on growth and sustainable growth. So I think this is a good thing to see from that front. But I, I, I really was not expecting this and also because, and we, we've kind of talked about this a little, um, Current just raised a really big fundraising round not too long ago. I think it was less than a year ago. They closed on an $18 million round and they're really early in their life cycle. They're in some food service locations, a little bit of retail, um, but truly at the early stages. So um, not really what I would think of as a traditional acquisition target. So I'll leave it at that to start, but I mean, like, what did you think of this? So a couple of things that's, that come to mind. So first of all, I think it's actually kind of interesting what you just said, because, well, actually what Speranza just, just said about the acquisition, about fighting for shelf space, because for me, Current Foods is doing a totally different product than what Good Catch mm -hmm. is doing and what Wicked Kitchen has in their, in, in their roster. So Current is doing, you know, more like smoked salmon or sashimi-like tuna, right, in plant-based form. And I actually just tasted both at Future Food Tech in um, San Francisco in March. And there was even some current tuna 
at one of the dishes served at Food Hack for lunch. Um, I actually thought the salmon was pretty excellent. Um, I, ha mm -hmm. I, I had it with some cream cheese and I was kind of blown away. Uh, the, the tuna I thought was okay. Like it definitely wouldn't have fooled me, but you know, fair enough. Some people told me they really liked it, but these are, you know, that's a different product than what, than what Wicked and um, Good Catch have. And it's, it's in a different part of the store. It's in chill, mm -hmm. right? It's not in frozen. Um, it's maybe not the same consumer buying smoked salmon versus buying, you know, a crab cake. So that's one thing that 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 kind of popped out to me. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, what does it mean for the space? Like, is this related to the fact that there is just an overall funding, a little bit of a mini drought? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think both of those points are really interesting. On, on the last one, on the funding drought, that's that's where my head goes to immediately or initially where why would you sell your company so early when it, everything is pointing to upward trajectory you, I, in my mind current didn't even have a real opportunity to see how they perform in the market i'm sure like again they were in some some food service and retail locations but not for a long time so it's not like they even had the time to try to grow and then fail or grow and succeed so i <laughs> but like, but the, the, the weird thing with all of that is, like I said, $18 million round about a year ago. I don't remember the exact date, but if they were in need of funding and they couldn't find it and this was a bit of a fire, so that's kind of crazy. Um, and I'm speculating here. I don't know that that's the case. Right. Like they might have had $10 million plus left in the bank. And this might have just been like a really <laughs> interesting way for Wicked to get $10 million in the bank um and and some really good product ip um yeah. but if it if that wasn't the case and they needed money then man that's a high burn and i mean the other thing is like if you're current and like the ceo had just left the company maybe this is like a good way for them to make use of wicked's extensive distribution network that they've already set in place right they already have all the relationships with all the retailers um so so maybe that helps and this is just an add-on to their to their product selection, but yeah, more, I'm sure we're going to, we're going to get more on that. So yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Um, what are a couple of other stories that really popped out for you? Yeah. So, I mean, always a ton of news in here, so it's, which is awesome. I think the things that popped out to me, so one is ADM going into a partnership with air protein. So this was interesting for a couple of reasons. One is the whole air protein gas fermentation approach, uh, which has been around for a, a number of years, but you don't see that many players in it. Um, it kind of went quiet for a little while, at least in my end. Yeah. We didn't, I, I, haven't, I, I haven't backed any of these companies. Some of them I, I wish I talked to a while back, but part of me was wondering, like, it's so quiet, are things going not well, or how are they going in general? Um, and to see this partnership with a company like ADM, which is hard to compare to. They're one of the biggest players in the ag traditional agriculture and commodity space. That breathes massive light into the potential for, for gas fermentation in this space. So I'm, I, that to me, just calling it out, super exciting in my mind. Totally. Um, so really funny. I agree. I feel like we haven't heard much from these companies like Air Protein and like Solene. 
but really mm -hmm. randomly, there's a Solene tasting in Singapore this week. And one of our freelancers is going to go and taste it. And I'm super curious. She's going to write about it. Um, so we'll find out maybe in a couple of weeks what she thought. I'm super curious, like what do these products even taste like? And I think, yeah, you're right. Like ADM getting involved means that they see something, right? Yeah. And, and I would have to hope that they see something truly on like the scalability of it. And totally. um, there's, there's hurdles to all of these spaces for scalability, but I can't imagine ADM doing something that doesn't have the potential to generate billions of dollars of profit long-term. So that, that, that also makes me a bit excited. Sure. And, and, you know, there's something very futuristic about the idea of protein from air. And I feel like a couple mm -hmm. of these companies have talked about, you know, partnerships with NASA or like testing, doing this in space. And so it just feels like there's something around, you know, the ability to scale this and like the, the, you know, the input just being, you know, free, freely available in the universe. It's super interesting. So yeah, lots going to come for that. Um, what was your other big story for you? Yeah. Other thing that like, I really thought like was super interesting. And I, I think I'm a little obsessed with this topic, to be honest, which I think a lot of people might be as well. Um, but the, the, the point about Beyond Meat, they're, they're facing a class action, action lawsuit. Basically, investors, public market investors are, are feeling misled. They said that they feel like the, the plans that they laid out about growth and production, they were, they were misleading. And, and that led to them thinking things would be better than they are. And for people that aren't aware, Beyond Meat, their, their stock price has plummeted in, in the, the recent past. And for me, I just feel like, like the reason that I, I, it stood out to me is because I've kind of shouted this to the, to the heavens a million times that at some point, Beyond Meat was valued at over 35 times revenue. And they are just a CPG company. I'm not trying to minimize what they do. They're, they're, they're an amazing company, but they're a CPG company. They're selling food products. Food products, CPGs, they sell for one to five X revenue. And unless you're just a crazy high growth brand, maybe you get a little premium to that. So to trade at 35 X revenue in the public markets, all that that means, the only thing that that means is that public market investors, were just overvaluing it. That's it. So it's, everyone has the same information. And if, if you're a public market investor and you bought into that a CPG company should be trading at a 35 times revenue multiple or whatever the multiple was at the time that, that this lawsuit is, is referring to, which is probably super inflated anyway, that's on you. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of how I feel. And so people would ask me all the time, should I invest in beyond meat? Like in the public markets, I'd be like, I wouldn't. And that, that doesn't mean it's a bad company. It means that the stock might be overvalued and that's a very different thing. So I just, I see this and I think like you're pissed because you lost money, but that's, that's on you. Oh gosh, there's so much to unpack. And like, if we think about <laughs> yeah. my favorite, some of my favorite tech podcasts, you know, they like can't get away from like the Elon story. And I feel like we in the all protein industry just like can't get away from the beyond story. There's just, it is the ultimate avatar for just like the entire industry, like for good or for bad. And um, in terms of, you know, what you said about the valuation and like how, how the stock is valued versus sales. I mean, we talked about this earlier and we talked about this before. If you look at the sale of Tofurky, right. That happened a few months mm -hmm. ago and you know, the valuation multiple, it's just not there. Right. I mean, it's exactly what you're saying. Like the, these are food companies, they're CPG companies a lot of times. And this is not 
um, you know, a SaaS company. And, you know, I have this like, like funny thing that I talk about with some of my VC friends where I'm like, I feel like SaaS companies really spoil VCs because it just, it's a, such a special category. Like you just, you can't compare food to that. And, you know, we can't just stop investing in food either. So we've got to have a different kind of outlook. And then the second thing that comes out for me in this story is what precedent would this set if they win in terms of like investing in public companies and the information that public companies make available and the growth plans that they share? I mean, how's that going to work, right? Because growth plans are plans. They're not fake. That's an interesting point. And, and like, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm minimizing this because I don't, I, I don't have any actual like stats off the top of my head, but like I've, I've, I've worked in, in the finance space for over a decade at this point. And it feels pretty normal to see investor lawsuits against companies when there's the, their stock price has plummeted or, or even see like massive short sellers coming out uh, and trying to push the price down of a company because they say that things are not what they seem. So I, I don't, I don't know if it'll set a precedent as much for the traditional public markets, but I do get worried about the precedent that it sets for for the food space and any company that's looking to to exit via the public markets. Because if if they get hammered every time or a class action lawsuit is precedented just because they said we expect high growth, and then maybe it doesn't happen the way they expected, that's that's dangerous. But um, I don't know. Interesting. Fair enough. All right. I always think about precedence, but um, specifically because it says misled about growth plans, but like, that's really interesting. Like, I mean, obviously I haven't read that. I will admit that I haven't read the lawsuit brief. So I, you know, unlike the other big story that we can talk about where I have read the lawsuit brief, um, a couple of stories that really popped out for me also on the legal front in this week's issue is um, three months after you know, Miyoko's Creamery, the plant-based dairy company, filed a lawsuit against Miyoko Skinner, the founder and former CEO of the company, um, who then a month later filed her own lawsuit against the company, uh, a countersuit, um, saying that there was harassment and discrimination. Um, they now, both parties now say that they've resolved all dispute and withdrawn all legal claims. So, you know, the cheesy drama is, you know, is, is, is over. Um, so obviously, you know, that pops out. I mean, it's it's a pretty big plant-based dairy company. It's one of the pioneers and it was getting pretty messy. The lawsuit they filed was was not great. It alleged like theft of IP and things like that. And then she her her lawsuit back was pretty ugly as well. So I think this is just just good for the space and like we can move on. Um a hundred percent. Um I, I mean what's interesting is I, it's still unclear to me why there was a lawsuit in the first place. Um, and then it felt like the counter lawsuit felt like a great way to, you know, get both parties to settle. It'll be interesting, you know, if there are details that come out, if there was a kind of major settlement, but both of them put out this, you know, very kind of edited statement saying that they wished each other well and kind of, you know, validating the, the points of view of both sides. <laughs> you know, which was that Miyoko had been integral to founding the company and was a pioneer and that she then in return agrees that, you know, Miyoko's Creamery is a great company that deserves great leadership going forward. So really interesting. 
but also yeah no i mean that that one's like i think the best outcome that could have possibly happened i don't know any of the details behind the scenes i'm not an insider on this one at all um but this is this is one of the most notable companies in our space since alt protein or whatever you want to call our space was was a thing um so if this ended badly and truly like lawsuits going back and forth that were fought for years and probably a lot of messy stuff coming out uh into the public light i think that just would have been really really bad <laughs> to be yeah. honest so uh yeah, no, and, and also as an investor break. yeah a hundred percent and then like I'll, I'll, I'll end it on from my my point of view for this is like as an investor i always get worried when i see something like this in the space because i think people who focus on the space need to remember the vast majority of investors out there venture capitalists public market investors etc they don't care about our space they're not thinking about our space so if there's big lawsuits that happen with the most notable companies then that's just going to scare them away and they're going to say this isn't not worth digging into so yeah. uh, i'm and happy pretty, to see this turn out. A negative bias which we've already got with beyond and to some extent impossible so yeah absolutely um very much so um the other legal story or like semi-legal story is uh so former uh cultivated pet food company because animals has rebranded to biocraft pet nutrition um ceo shannon falconer has you know said that they felt it was time for a new image, but obviously there was also a, about a couple months ago, kind of all this kerfuffle with the former co-founder saying that they they had sold, they had bought some of the IP of some of some discontinued products um, and, and kind of brought it under their new company cult, which is also a cultivated pet food company or pet nutrition company. And then there was kind of like a misunderstanding in the press around the fact that you know, because animals had been acquired, which wasn't true. So this also feels like a nice clean break, a new, a new name, a new identity, kind of like separating the storylines. Um, I spoke to Shannon at Hack in Lausanne a couple of weeks ago, and you know, she's great. And I, she's just excited to like do her thing and, and, and go on and, and continue and, and innovate in the pet nutrition space, which by the way, is just becoming more and more exciting. Mm-hmm in terms of like market potential and like growth potential. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that this is a super interesting one. And like, when I saw this, I just, it just reminded me about the whole situation and all I thought, like, I just want to scream to all the companies out there and everyone just like slow down, slow down. Because I remember when this started happening, when like the quote unquote acquisition was happening and, and, it, 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 like Colt put out a press release and then that press release had to be taken back because they weren't ready or there was some information in there that wasn't exactly factual. Like just, let's just slow down. <laughs> exactly. It's, it was a mess. Um, I will say shout out to Green Queen. We were the only ones that did not misreport the news. So, you know, keep reading Green Queen. Um, we do fact check over here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's good. It's good that, you know, new beginnings and we just, we need like, we need positive, um, narratives and just like, we need founders to be focusing on innovation and growth and just scaling and not focusing on, you know, who said what or, or lawsuits or, or weird situations that those are all distractions. I fully agree. Yeah. So there, I mean, there was so much news and obviously we're not gonna be able to cover it all, but we're gonna, we're gonna do a quick, like one, one minute take from each of us on something else that, um, really popped out from all the quick bite stuff. Um, what was, 
what was your last kind of takeaway? Yeah, I mean, the last thing for me was there, there's a bullet point in there that just says the World Bank, they warned Brazil that they could lose hundreds of billions of dollars per year and see biodiversity depletion uh, and setbacks for millions of people if deforestation continues, right? So they, they, they issued this report and gave out some numbers. And all I was thinking is like, like, are the people making those reports losing their minds? Because they put out reports like uh-huh. this in every part of the world for, honestly, it's decades at this point, and especially the scientific community. It, it's a very clear thing. We need to stop deforesting our planet and crushing biodiversity, which is predominantly led by the consumption of animal products and meat. It's just like a very clear link. And I just like, for me, it just seems like, man, I feel bad for the people working on those because yeah, they're creating new numbers and updating those every year. But the takeaway has been the same thing for a long time. Yeah, totally. And like, there are a couple of other bullets of a couple of other reports that have come out as well this week, where it's like the Center for Strategic and International Studies is highlighting why alternative proteins are a cornerstone of you know, future proofing our food system for climate change. Um, the Climate Works Foundation and Global Methane Hubs say that investing in plant-based protein and cultivated meat could slash emissions and boost the economy. Um, so, I mean, report after report is out there saying, you know, we have a problem. Food is responsible for X number of emissions. We need to get a handle on that. We need alternatives as a result. Uh, meanwhile, Newsweek just published a poll of U.S. voters that shows that a majority of Americans not only regularly eat meat and thinks it's, think it's a healthy choice, but also are not concerned about the beef and climate connection. So, you know, on somehow on some hand, it kind of feels like for you and me, we're kind of in this echo chamber of we know this and it's just, it's obvious. But on the other hand, polls regularly come out that tell us most people don't know. And so there's just a lot of work to do on storytelling and culture change and behavioral change. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a big takeaway for me always. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. And as I, I was just at a barbecue this past weekend, I live in the U S and on the East coast. And I can tell you that other than my immediate family, it was burgers and hot dogs and cheeseburgers. Um, and that's, no one was touching what what I was eating. And I was just like, how is this still a thing? And these are people that know me, know what I work in. And it's just the the understanding of the connection between climate and our food system is just not there. Well, I will update you from my barbecue that's happening on Friday. We have a public holiday here, going to a barbecue with like 10 families and their kids. And I have a feeling, because I saw the menu on WhatsApp, that I'm the only one bringing <laughs> vegan meat. So... Good times. At least we, oh, God. we still have a purpose. <laughs> There's so much more to do. And on that well, at note, least we know we'll be we'll be employed for a while, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And on and on that note, see you next week for another uh, live take of All Protein Weekly by Green Queen. All right, we good. <laughs>